this is, uh, you know, that negative thought you've been having, and uh, I just, uh, I just can't let you try and change yourself without a fight, so, uh, go ahead and just turn this show off, okay, and, um, uh, yeah, everything's still fine. This is Blindsight with your host, Bill Lundgren, an AINC original podcast. Is there you? We're not holding back truth. We're here to help you heal and become the best you possible. Here's the chair. Here's the pillow. Here's Bill. Hello there. Welcome to Blindsight. I'm your host, Bill Lundgren. Blindsight is a product of the Audio Information Network of Colorado, and we're delighted to have you back for part two of our discussion with Bonnie Barlow about audio description. Welcome back, Bonnie. Thank you very much. We're glad to have you. Uh, when we talked last, I was kind of curious as to what kind of training does an audio descri- describer have to have? I mean, do they have to run a, a marathon for 26 hours to know so that you know they can handle a boring three-hour play uh, a description? Well, a lot of it does depend on what their focus is going to be for describing so I, you know, look at different things when it's someone who wants to write description and do voiceover for media and TV and broadcast, or um, if it's someone who wants to do live plays. Um, like I said before, the basics are all the same. And then we just kind of, you know, look at the different elements that a person needs to be aware of how to set the scene when it comes to doing a play. So. Recently, I've had a couple of students where, you know, I trained them with the basics. And when we talked about doing plays specifically, including pre-show information and whether or not they'll get to do a sensory tour ahead of time with someone. And then um, I, you know, have taken them with me to listen to me describe a play. And then the the theaters have been very generous about, you know, giving them a free ticket to come as, you know, part of the training. And then I will tell them they can go ahead and prepare some of the description or the pre-show, and we can do it together. Or if they feel at that point, like the play they're going to do isn't overly challenging and they are sort of confident that they can handle it, I'll let them just go on their own and they can ask me questions. I'll give them ideas about how to research, you know, how to find out more about a play Mm -hmm. and uh, kind of the do's and don'ts of each particular one, how to address specific things like the set and the way things work for Hamilton versus, you know, a simpler play. And then, you know, I just, I'm there um, available to answer their questions and be backup. So that's, you don't have to do marathons. You just kind of have to have the basics and then some kind of an idea of, what that kind of description needs. Well, do you have them write out uh, a sample description so you see it, uh, what their what their thinking is, and and what they would, or just not writing it up because for plays now, if it's for doing a show or something, yes, they'll I'll show them how to do the formatting for writing description, mm-hmm. and and they have to where the timing is in the media where they want the right. description to fit. We'll do that that way. But live plays are done more um, spontaneously. You'll have some notes, but you want to 
be free to just be watching the action and not looking at a full script or notes right. while uh-huh. you're describing. So, so good describers will, you know, be kind of doing it extemporaneously and then have made certain notes about, you know, in this section, when I hear them say this cue, I know something's going to happen real fast. So I'll give myself a note, you know, quickly say, you know, he leaves, she comes in. Or when there's set changes, if I know I won't be able to see the set change while it's happening, I'll write it all down. So while they're doing it, I can describe the next scene that's going to be shown in a sec. So it's sort of specific, you know, approaches like that that work best. Well, there, there is a, uh, a problem sometimes with where they put the describer in relation to the stage to be able to see everything that's going on. Like right. I was, uh, right. one, one play where it was up, uh, she was up on the balcony and some of the actors were in essence out of sight line. So she had to, you know, kind of ad lib right. what was happening, you know, so they have to be nimble on their feet. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's one thing that you can prepare for, you know, when you're um, previewing is anytime you notice something that might not be, you know, seeable by you when they're coming in from the, you know, doors or mm-hmm, a certain mm-hmm. exit that you, know, you make a special note. Oh, right. When a cue happens here again, I give myself a, a cue, then, you know, I'll say so-and-so is where they are, even though I won't get to see it. I'll know that's where it goes. Mm-hmm. For Phantom of the Opera, some of the action takes place up on the roof of the opera house. And ah. when we are in the booth, we can't see it. Yeah. So we have to make sure we take some good notes about what happens up there and just read from our script at that point. Sure. So that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I know in uh, some of the Broadway uh, plays, uh, the actor comes in drunk. I mean, I don't mean the uh, as part of the show, but yeah, been, and I keep wondering how an audio describer would handle that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably just say something like he stumbles or tries to catch himself or, you know, is looking in the wrong direction or whatever right. I see that shows me. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the other thing, so. too, uh, do you... For example, I was thrilled to find out that you what you're doing with the art museum in terms of describing pieces. Do you choose a describer who has at least an artistic uh, bent or some familiarity with artwork, or or have a describer who does the ballet who has some background in ballet, or is that asking too much? Right. Good question. Um, specifically for the art, it is good to have someone who, who knows some things about art so that they can apply them in their description. We don't have to, you know, have an art degree or um, even know that much about an artist, but we have to be able to use some of the ways that artists express themselves in our description. So uh-huh. when I'm looking at a piece, I'm just describing exactly what is there. So I might say first what the size is of the piece that I might say it's in kind of it's oil on a canvas. It's very deep, bright, you know, colors, or if it's more pastel and washy watercolor, I might say that. And then I'll say, you know, like the perspective, perhaps. So our, our, you know, in the foreground, we see certain things and then smaller in the background, we see other things. And that gives us a sense of distance. So I just kind of lay out 
the composition and the basic elements. And then, uh, you know, again, you'll set the stage for what people will see in their mind's eye as they hear the subjective information. So that's basically what a person does. Um, So it helps to kind of know those things. But Mm -hmm. a person can also kind of educate themselves. I described Amish quilts, and I didn't know how to do quilting, but I went and talked to a quilter, and she talked to me about the different designs. And, you know, the the way they are named is very evocative of the way they look. So a tumbling block quilt looks like, you know, different colored Mm -hmm. squares that look like, you know, three-dimensional blocks kind of expanding from the middle or whatever. And sometimes, again, you can do a sensory tour with different um, uh, textures of of designs of quilts that a person could feel ahead of time. Mm. So that sort of thing. It's kind of a mix of pre-knowledge and then, you know, educating oneself. Well, I was thinking of some of the uh, earlier painters, like I think his name is Bush, who had big canvas with a million different things going on in on the uh, in his painting, and to have an audio describer try to yeah. pick out the yeah. primary, yeah, mm-hmm. it's no easy right. feat. So again, I go from the general, I go from the general to specific. So I'll say, there's a bunch of stuff going on here. And then I'll say, for example, in this corner, such and such. So I can pick just one area to really describe in detail, and then the person kind of applies that to the whole thing in their ah, mind. Mm-hmm. So you have to find a shorthand to kind of give yep, somebody the exactly. sense of, yeah. Boy, it yep. takes a, a yep, lot exactly. of work to trying to figure all that out. Yeah, and the more you do it, you know, the easier it, it gets. You kind yeah. of learn how to organize visual things like you organize mm-hmm. thoughts or your house. <laughs> if you have a messy house, you might not be a good describer. I'm not sure if that totally translates, but <laughs> it could be. <laughs> well, what kinds of shows are coming up? And I don't mean necessarily play, but we talked uh, last time that there were a number of things that are occurring in uh, in this area that you wanted to tell people about, right. that they are... Uh, being audio described. Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, we have the usual suspects. <laughs> we have the usual plays and places, you know, downtown with the Denver Center Performing Arts and the Broadway tour productions and the local theater company and the Galleria and opera and ballet. But then also we're starting to do description at in Inglewood at the Lakewood Cultural Center. It's oh, confusing because mm-hmm. it says Lakewood, but we're thinking um, Lakewood Cultural Center, and we've just described our first play for them in uh, January. We did Little Women, and oh. it was a musical version. It was a, a a version that had been, you know, created for Broadway, and so we did that, and we did a little short, you know, sensory tour. <laughs> Excuse me, I have the hiccups. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're going to be doing Carousel. Now, on the, uh, I have to look at my calendar here. One thing, Bonnie, uh, what the DCPA has done is have one performance of every show that right. is audio described. Is that what most of the theaters are doing? Yeah. Yes. So the person yep, who wants to attend, we'll 
attend would have to call the uh, the venue and say, okay, when is the accessible performance? Yes. And hopefully they're available yep. on that day. Oh, no, like we'll send, yeah. So like, you know, I have that web, that uh, email list of about 100 folks that I send stuff that's coming out to. So you all will be getting um, emails from Lakewood Cultural Center telling you all these details, both about Carousel. Um, I think it's going to be March 19th, but I'll double check. And then also another thing that is going to, and if anyone listening wants to be on my mailing list and subsequently, you know, as a extension, you'll be on Ken's list from uh, Liquid. Uh, just let me know at bonniejbarlow at gmail.com that you want to be on my list and you'll get right. you know, announcements on things like this coming up. And so they're going to be doing another thing called Visionaries. And that is the one where, let's see, I just sent out an email the other day to that list. So people might have already heard about this a little bit. But it's going to be on Friday, April 21st. And it is uh, featuring jazz music. By the Daniel Kelly Trio, painted or paired with photographic light painting created by blind and visually impaired artists. Hmm. And um, they explore what it means to truly see. And there was a video that I sent in this uh, email as well. So I'm, I'm thinking you got it, Bill. I, I didn't um, get it. I'm going to complain to Bonnie Barlow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you could check your list to see if I'm back, I'm on it because I haven't gotten anything for a while. But anyway, that's my personal business. But <clears throat> okay, what yeah. else? What so else? So here, is let me just say a little more, a little more about it then. Yeah. So, um, so Friday, April twenty first, seven thirty p.m. It's basically some photographers, a collective, and they're gonna. Um, what they do is blind uh, light painting, where they put some, uh, subjects in a dark room, they expose film, and then they move lights around their subjects and things. And so the okay. film picks up mm -hmm. the light and the little bits of the subjects that are highlighted at different times. And it creates what kind of a, um, turns into a sort of um, abstract, you know, unusual mm. kind of ghostly sort of uh, image sometimes and what they're going to do is they're going to talk about some of those that they'll they'll be doing and then they're going to do a creative uh, or a uh, actual photograph of the whole audience that will be created at that time with the same method and so there will be some pieces outside in the uh, lobby that i'll describe and then the rest of it is described pretty much by them so it should be really cool um it sounds it so i'll be sending out more information Mm -hmm. So April 21st, 730 at the Lakewood Cultural Center. Wow. And they also right now have an exhibit that's there that's got some uh, visually impaired accessible uh, pieces. Mm -hmm. So people can go to that even now. Right. Okay. Now, in terms of the artwork at the uh, the Denver Art Museum, they would have that uh, pre-recording uh, whenever they uh, they do a description uh, mm -hmm. available whenever well, anybody 
goes there? What's the, what's the, uh, because I know everybody trying to keep costs down and they try to, uh, you know, they're just not sure at how many blind people are, uh, people with blindness are going to show up. So they try to get the maximum out of their describers. Well, basically, when I used to, uh, I haven't worked with the Denver Museum for some time. When I did, we did them in person. Um, But now I don't think they have anything recorded specifically for audio description. I think they have a recorded tour that's general. Oh, general for the museum uh, in general. Yeah, and then they have uh, certain days where they'll have some pieces that are uh, available for people to touch and different, like, sensory bags or whatever, but you kind of have to prepare for those and go on a specific date. So you just have to contact Mm -hmm. the museum. Um, So um, I personally don't think it's optimal. (laughs) I think it would be better to have an available described, you know, uh, tour that's for the blind that even could include wayfinding, which is what we did for the Smithsonian. Um, you, you actually record uh, where they go and where they plug in their device next and what choices uh, they have. Oh, yeah. But, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's like at the Smithsonian and other museums, but they aren't doing that at Denver Art Museum. So um, they just have a couple of adjunct things. So you'd have to check with them. And if you want to call them, because if you just walk in, you know, right. the, the folks at the desk may or may not know, because I went mm. in there with a, a blind person once and she asked, well, what do you have for me? And they were like, oh, we don't know. So they went and checked with somebody else. <laughs> they said, well, you have certain days where you could do this or that. So mm. it wasn't optimal, but um, I'm not sure what they're doing right now. So I can't say. So <clears throat> so it really would behoove all of us to be keeping uh, contact with the places that we would like to go. And if they're not doing it yes, now, just our presence. Them. Yeah, our presence and reminding yep. them. And giving them feedback and telling them whether or not what they've provided is, you know, really meets your needs or if you mm-hmm. feel like they should be doing more. Right. Because that's your Absolutely. right to say so. It's, it's required by law. Well, right. well what, what area would you like to see uh, doing audio uh, description that's not doing it now? Mm. Um, Film festivals are kind of spotty when it comes to providing audio description for their documentaries and stuff, even when it comes to documentaries about or by people with disabilities. So I've worked with the Real Abilities Film uh, Festival when they've started doing them in the last two years at the uh, Jewish Community Center, Mizell Arts uh, Center. And so they have specific days. They have um, films that I get ahead of time and I can write a description for if they don't come with one already. Because not all the films do come with right. it. Some of the people who've made these films weren't sure how to get description added yet, or they may have gotten some that was kind of minimal, but not really, you know, really descriptive. So I kind of assess what they have, what they might need, and then I uh, can either record it, or this year what they had me do was come in person at each time they were showing the films, 
I brought my equipment and any blind people in the audience would wear the headset and I would describe it live while they were playing the movie and only they heard the description, but I used a script because I had seen it ahead of time. So mm -hmm. it's kind of an interesting mix of methods. <clears throat> so I think that more people who are creating films, if they could find more central places where someone can help them with that accessibility. Um, and, you know, they find me, but it's kind of hit and miss. Mm -hmm. But I like to say I like I want to provide accessibility to the people who are trying to give it, you know, to the community as well as those in the community who want to use it. So I try to not, you know, charge them too much. I try to give them ideas on how to present it and market it. And um, sometimes they'll have in a person, you know, description, like I d said, and then they'll have their films available um, for streaming. And they can have a version with audio description for streaming and just give, you know, the blind people a separate, you know, code to log in and hear the described version. So there are a lot of things that if we could centralize stuff more, but I don't know how they'll ever get to do that because there's so many, you know, growing in different areas for description, which is great, but it's still kind of hit mm -hmm. and miss when it comes to finding it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, right. yeah. But you know, I, knowing what could be available and then approaching the people that you are around and asking them, can you make that available is probably the best way to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, I was thinking, uh, some, you know, so many people have smartphones and, uh, you know, wonder if there's some way that the smartphone can be, of course, it still yes. would be external speakers, but, uh, you know, not necessarily because you can bring your headphones. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. So, so um, there is there are certain apps where either you can get help from professionals, or you can even create your own tour of an exhibit or something with an app, or you can number the exhibits and you can record your description, and you can even re record that wayfinding I was talking about, where you can say, "Now that we finished describing this one, to your right, you know, by ten feet is, you know, you'll come up right, to this right. next." And sometimes they even these apps, you can print out QR codes and put them around your exhibit and oh, then yeah. mm -hmm. indicate, yeah, and then indicate in the app when they point the phone at it and, and hit the code, it starts describing that part of the exhibit. So there are a lot of, you know, possibilities that way where, again, if you go and ask them, hey, do you have this? And did you know this is available? And here's the people who can maybe help you do that. That'll all go a long way to creating that access. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, well, there was a piece on uh, CPI this morning about uh, outreach to people with disabilities, uh, and even in finding uh, resources to know about hiking places to to hike and so forth. Right. So, uh, and this is a, apparently a new app. I don't remember the name of it, but. You know, people people are stepping up to provide services yeah. to our community, and that's uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's never nothing is ever perfect, but at least we're we're moving a lot farther along, and, and that was the reason yeah. you know you had to go search me out at the theater, which I appreciate, to tell me about audio description because nobody was talking about it. Right. 
and say, right, hey, right. have you tried this? And I'm uh, right now I'm an addict. You know, I've got to have I, I wouldn't yeah. know what to do going into a theater without earphones on. Right. And so I don't know if you know, but at most movies now in the theaters, those are audio described and they have the equipment there and you just ask for it when you go in. Now, is that in uh, specific theaters or is pretty general? That it's a most lot of them of, now. Most of them now. Okay. It's most of them now. It used to only be specific ones, but now they're they're all pretty much equipped with that. The unfortunate thing is sometimes the the house staff aren't as aware of what that equipment's That's for, right. or sometimes it doesn't pick up the signal correctly, and you don't get the description after all. So there's still some bugs to be worked out with that. But, um, you know, I, I did that. I wrote the description for the movie Mr. Holmes with Ian McKellen playing Sherlock Holmes um, at retirement age when he was starting to lose his memory. And it was a beautiful film. And when it came out in the theater, I went with Gail Hamilton and we both got the headsets and listened to my description of the movie. So it was pretty cool. Hmm. Wow, that's amazing. You were everywhere. I am. <laughs> and oh, I say, again, I say thank you because you're making a difference uh, in our being able to be in the regular world and enjoy what is uh, is going on out there and not feel left out, which I think is the right. hardest part yeah. of having a disability is feeling left out. Right. And, and, you know, I always say I kind of have a, a ulterior motive because I enjoy entertainment so much that I'm always wanting to share it with my friends. And since I have lots of blind friends, I want to share it with them in the best way possible, which is, you know, with audio description. And that way we can all have fun together mm -hmm, mm -hmm. watching it. So. Yeah. And, you know, I, too, uh, have always loved the theater and have been uh, it's funny because I was hearing impaired as a child. I couldn't hear the stage unless uh, right. it was Ethel Merman performing and you could hear her down the block <laughs> from the theater. But uh, I, <laughs> yeah. so I just got used to only being able to appreciate part of it, which in that time was dance and the, the set and so forth and occasionally Ethel Merman. But uh now see, I can't see, but having the description plus being able right. to hear what's going on, I'm really getting a much fuller uh sense of the theater than I yeah. ever had before. And I'm just very grateful for that. That's what we're there for. <laughs> yeah. Uh are some of the smaller theaters, the curious theater and some of the other are they uh also doing audio description? Are you finding uh their uh, a comfort level with with having that service available um it's still hit and miss with those two i did try to get um curious theater specifically to have audio description and we kept uh, experimenting with where we could describe from within the building that's, and the technology right. we had available and we you know so those are all things that have to be considered you have to have a sure. describer being away from the general audience but still able to hear and see the show and others to be able to pick up the signal. So I've tried doing it two different ways. I've tried using like the zoom uh, app and just describing on zoom to 
the, the blind members in the audience having their phone and headphones and logging into my, you know, Zoom meeting. And that works pretty well. Mm-hmm, um, I mm-hmm. also have now I have Wi-Fi equipment that works in a small space, but it's always just kind of a combination of trying to make sure you have the correct, you know, uh, physical elements going on, plus the, the electronic elements and then building the audience for it. And, you know, just making it happen so that not just planning for it and preparing for it, but also really being able to carry it all through successfully with great signals and everything is is kind of a monumental task. But we keep trying. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think there are too many people out there like you uh, across the country or are there like an association of audio describers or is it catch catch can? Yeah, there's not an association, but, um, you know, I think it's good to have a lot of individuals who are, are good at different things because the, the technology is always changing and the needs and desires for description are always changing and kind of growing. So it's kind of hard to try to cement anything in place um, for too long because stuff changes all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a way, that's my approach is kind of just be ready to you know, try to be creative and, you know, out of the gate, you know, do something that will work for people and then tweak it and, you know, see what what you can make happen. So, um, like they're trying to create a certification for audio describers, which Ah, is good. And you also have to, you also have to provide an educational track so that they will be qualified for the certification Mm -hmm. and then make sure that, Certification includes things that really are practical, you know, in application in all the different, you know, types of description you do. So it's been a mon- monumental task that they're they're undertaking to kind of create that. Um, so I wouldn't wait for that, but you know, there'll be another possibility that people might get certified. Mm-hmm. When I train people, I give them what I call a certificate of completion of my course, but it's not, you know, certified in description, you know, technically. Because there is no such thing yet. Well, how long is is your course? I mean, how long uh, can if I uh, were? I do four weeks at ninety minutes a week, and I cover the basics at first. And this can be online or in person. I cover the basics at first, and then we start practicing, and then we focus on what the student's interest is, and then I will give them. Um, I try to give them things to work on that are real, you know, live going on uh, instead of being just practiced with something that's not going to, you know, a, a movie that nobody's ever going to see or something. I try to, if I'm doing a certain work that isn't uh, covered by, you know, non-disclosures, I can have them work on it with me and then they'll have that as part of their, you know, beginning portfolio of work they can uh, do and the mm-hmm, kinds of work. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I do some writing for um, educational videos for the government through described caption media programming. So I'll have them work on those with me a little bit. Um, and I, you know, do that under the, you know, the okay of, of DCMP. Or I've worked on a couple of parks, you know, national parks uh, projects like an online a repository of uh, like a thousand videos, short videos of Native Americans speaking about 
their culture in their part of the uh, Northwest that was in the Lewis and Clark, ex, you know, uh, expeditions stopping points. So they take this tent to these different places that they took, you know, the, uh, the trail, and they set them up, and it's called the Tent of Many Voices. And people would go in and record, you know, small bits about their their tribe and their tr- traditions. So the government site that held all of this wanted audio description for all of those. So I took several students who had recently, you know, um, graduated my course, and we did those all together and got them done within a couple of months. You know, so those are now available on the uh, oh, what is it called? <laughs> it's the National Park Service. Um, Tent of Many Voices, if you look that up. Um, So, yeah, I try to just kind of provide education and a little bit of experience in the things they're most interested in. And like if I have documentaries that I'm working on for a film festival, I'll have them work on, you know, helping me write those and they can then take credit for that in their portfolio. So I try to give them real practical experience. Wow. You are everywhere. <laughs> and that's great. <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad to have this chance to interview you and and get a much broader yeah. idea. I hope that our audience likewise see there are so many possibilities that we may, well, I certainly didn't know were there. So. Yeah. Anything new, anything you're looking towards is as, oh, I haven't done this yet, I'm going to do it. No, just, just um, I do like just, you know, kind of being ready to, because I, I can't really anticipate things like, you know, the tent of many voices coming up or specific ex- exhibitions. And it's like, oh, wow, that will be really cool to describe that. So I'm just always ready to respond with whatever someone else comes up with as a need. Um so I have I don't have any foresight, but I have a lot of hindsight <laughs> <laughs> and insight. <laughs> well, Bonnie, thank you so much for your tour of audio description, and uh, You're I, welcome. I hope that we'll be touching base periodically to see if there's some, some new things coming up that you want to share. So thank you for being yep. I, I oh. guess for this uh, two-parter. And I wish you the best for the future. Thanks. Thanks for having me again. And we'll see you at the theater. (laughs) You betcha. And put me on the mailing list. All right. I'm going to send you something now to make sure you got it. Okay, great. And thank you all for listening in. This has been Blindsight. If any of you have any questions or uh, comments or suggestions for a future program, don't hesitate to contact us at uh, AIN of Colorado. Uh, let let us know what you want to hear, what you uh, heard that you don't want to hear. You know, we take all kinds, you know, we aren't hurt uh, when we get uh, the uh, brickbats. But we also love having your comments and of any kind. So contact us And this is the end of part two with Bonnie Barlow. And uh, this was produced by the Audio Information Network of Colorado 
Jonathan Price was our producer, and I'm Bill Lundgren, your host, and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you.